I remember uh, when my daughter was about six years old, and I did what good dads do. I took them to one of those uh, play places, you know, with the slide and the ringworm and the ball pit and all that. And so we're, we're there and spending quality time with some kids that were horribly behaved. Um, but I was letting my ki- them raise my children while I was working and, you know, doing some things. I thought, hey, let's take some time to do this. And I noticed they started becoming really good friends with this other group of kids. I'm like, who are these kids? I don't know where these kids come from, you know, any of that. And then um, all of a sudden, this dude starts hanging out with my daughter. He's like talking and hanging out and wanting her to go everywhere with him. And I hear him say this. He says, hey, pink shorts. And I was like, hey, SpongeBob shirt, get over here. I'm like, her eyes are up here. You know, I mean, don't be looking at her legs. I mean, she's six and all that. But I just remember that was the first moment that I realized as a dad, like that protection came out. And I was like, that's my baby. I don't know what your intentions are, but I have some bad intentions. (laughs) If you don't stop calling her pink shorts, you know. And we have a responsibility as parents. We have a responsibility as leaders. We have a responsibility to so words of encouragement to like, I start thinking about like my kids and I want to tell them their value and their worth. And it was that day I started thinking, you know, I'm not going to talk about my daughter being happily married. And even today, 10 years later, I want to talk about my daughter. That day's coming, but today is not that day for she is mine, you know, and uh, now I have another daughter and just the, to cherish that. Today, maybe you come in and, and there's thoughts when you, you come on a day like today and you're thinking it's Mother's Day. Can we just say uh, Happy Mother's Day to everybody, whether you're here in this room on three, one, two, three. Yes, it's super exciting to be able to celebrate. We've got a photo booth and you better go to it. If mom wants that, that's what you're doing. Okay. Um, but, you know, on a day like today, we start thinking and, and I know when I think about, you know, my parenting, or I think about my leadership. I don't think like good, encouraging thoughts. I think about all the shortcomings that I have. So my prayer is that today we would hear this, this theme of love. Our our theme today is above all else, love above all else, love. And, um, I remember when our twins were in the NICU, we had preemie boys that are 15 now, they're in the NICU. Um, we, were, we lived at St. Luke's for 28 days, okay? 28 days, we were there, and I remember reading a book by John Eldred, called Wild at Heart, and I want to give you a quote from it. It says, in the heart of every boy, he's asking, am I good enough and do you believe in me? And in the heart of every girl, she is asking, am I beautiful and do you value me? See, it's not about where we've been, it's about where we're going, and the words that we give actually matter. When you came in, you were given a program. There's some words that are on uh, that program if you want to take some notes in the app. I know a lot of people are using that app. We have the family tab. There's a lot that's going on there. You can uh, watch and share any message, but you can also see the notes that go along with the message. And in our family goal series, this is week number three, uh, we started by talking about having a God-centered focus. And then we moved into uh, uh, opening our heart and opening our mind. Uh, hey, God, whatever it is that you want me to do and where are, we, where are we headed today is above all else love. Next week is leading yourself. And there's a bonus week, Sundays Matter. Okay, it's not a week. It's just a, a little short segment that you're going to uh, have the opportunity to see. Um, but if you didn't notice, it spells goals. And that just like my heart just went pitter patter as I, as I see that. Um, but this is what we're, we're talking through. It's about where we're headed and we're a multi-generational church. So it's people of all ages. I mean, our mission statement to love and lead one another, to be devoted followers of Jesus. It's that love first 
and then lead second. Love first, lead second. So whether you're single, whether you're married, there's lots of things about love that we want to take in the next step in our leadership. And here's the challenge. When we look in the Bible, we look in uh, the Old Testament, the children of Israel and God's chosen people. And you would see all of a sudden they're following God, they're following God. Next thing you know, it says, and there was a generation that did not know and follow the Lord. There was a king that did evil in the sight of the Lord. You're like, what happened from one generation to the next? And here's why. We can't just hand our faith down. We have to model our faith. So we have this responsibility. It doesn't just happen. But, and that's why here at Rock Harbor, we partner with parents. We want to give you resources like through that app. We want to give you things so that you can lead them in the way that you've been designed uh, to do that. Um, We're going to be in Deuteronomy 6. And this is a strong challenge that's given to leadership. And this, in fact, might be some of the strongest, most challenging uh, calling up words in all of the Old Testament. It's called the Shema. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And then it goes into a list of how we should do that. See, when I read that, I'd be like, okay, of course, I love God, love God. Okay, yeah, yeah. Tell me how to do it. Let's get to the practical. But we can't skip over how strong and how clear it is, this love that we should have. It says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It uses that word might, which in the Hebrew, it carried the same connotation of heart and ability and energy. So we have to love with all of our energy, okay? Everything that is in us. For where your treasure is, your heart is also. What you invest your time, your treasure, your finances, the gifts that you have, that's where we can find what we actually value in life. And that's what we're actually handing down to our children. See, love with all of our ability, this might, this word might, you know, love with our strength, um, love with our might, love with our ability. It's the giftings that we've given. It's, I mean, think about the best teachers and coaches that you've ever had. And you think like, well, who's your favorite teacher of all time? Who's your favorite coach of all time? It was a coach or a teacher that loved you. I mean, they may have been diff hard on you. They may have really called you up. They may have gotten, you know, really got in your face and said, oh, you're, this is what you need to do. But you knew at the core of that, that there was love involved. I mean, you may say, hey, we won, but my coach, we won in spite of them, maybe because that love was absent. But we remember those that loved fiercely, regardless of the circumstance. Verse number seven says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. When you lie down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. It says that we should talk. We should talk of these things. And look at all the words that involve words, right? To write them down the frontlets of our eyes, that they should be a sign. They should be posted somewhere. These words matter. So we need to love with all of our words. We need to love with all of our talk, the things that we verbalize, the things that we say. You know, when I think about myself as a, as a parent, I'm like, man, I know that my words matter, but I really struggle sometimes using the right words. And then there's this quote that I felt God gave me like five years ago, and I wrote it down. It's in my notes. And when I see it, it makes me feel super guilty. And nothing like Mother's Day and feeling guilty, you know, or Father's Day and feeling guilty. Or how about every day and feeling guilty? But it's use language that shows love and care even when you're dissatisfied. Keith, would you just use language that shows love and care? That means we'll be slow to anger. 
will be be careful to use certain words. And I'm like, I find myself always just going, blah, I just want to get it out there. I just, I have something to say and I need to be heard, you know? And then I don't use the love and care even when I'm dissatisfied. Colossians 4 says it this way, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Let your speech always be gracious. Let it be seasoned with salt so that you may know how to give an answer to each person, to, to guard the words that we, we give. And I, I don't know about you, if you're maybe an aunt or an uncle or a, uh, maybe a mentor, I notice in every service today, there's people with different shirts repping different things. So you got like our kids, you got anchor, you got slingshot, you're, you're mentoring in some kind of type of capacity, or maybe you're a parent or you're a grandparent. There's five key words that maybe you're a teacher. There's five key words that we can always give and, and specifically when our kids play or do something. Okay. I'm going to just talk about sports for a second. I've spent a good amount of time in the bleachers at different events or on the sidelines of it, getting the chance to coach, but there's five words. I'm not going to give them to you first, but there's five words we shouldn't say, you know, like I liked it when you scored, you know, (laughs) or Hey, you know, whether it, those refs, are you kidding me? Right. You know, I mean, because after the game, you want to recount what took place in the game. Right? You want to you want to talk about it or they want to talk about this. And I'm thinking, why didn't the coach put you in box and one? He ran man to man the entire game. You know, those are some of the words, you know, you're like, oh, I have some opinions. You know, whether it's about ref, whether it's about coaching. When you get a rebound, go straight back up with it. You know, all of this stuff. It's actually there's five words that we should say. I love watching you play. I love watching you play. It's not based on how you did. Now, can we talk about their actual performance? Can we talk about the game and have fun with that? Yeah, like they may want some of that. But it's more important to say, I love watching you play. I love watching you sing. I love watching you serve. I love watching you act. Whatever those things are, it's not about how did they perform. It's rather like what we actually appreciate about them, and that's watching them. They need to know that. If they think their love or, or your appreciation, you're, you know, you're only happy when they score, when they get the A, when they get the lead role, like we have to remember, like just simply being around them, it's, simp- it's saying this, I see you, I see you. I watched you. That's why you hear all the time. Hey, watch this. Watch this. This one's for you, mom. I can't tell you how many times I come home and the boys are like doing shots from the grass. This one's for you, mom. And the next day they can't lift their arm. They shot for two hours like, yeah, I can't feel it. Um, I made a half court shot one time that somebody had to name their kid Ezekiel Elliott and I made it and they didn't. But um, anyways, um, but you know, it's more than just performing an affirmation of that, it's actually saying, I see you. I'm watching you. I'm recognizing you. Because I think for myself, I know how great I think my kids are. But then I start thinking, I go, have I told them lately? Have I told them lately how great I think they are? Because I know up here, I think they're great. But am I verbalizing that greatness to them? Am I calling them up into a Christ-centered future and focus? First Peter 4 
uh, 7 through 8 says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. It says, for the sake of your prayers. The reason we should be self-controlled, the reason we should be clear in our mind, is so that our prayers will be heard for above all else. Love earnestly, keeping Love, keep on loving one another, which is really difficult in a family, in a friendship, in a church, like to keep loving each other. That's one of the hardest things to do. For why? For love covers. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of shortcomings. Love covers a multitude of, I didn't say, I love watching you play. I was pretty busy and certain things happened and got in the way that I couldn't actually see you, but I could talk to you. I could listen to you, for love covers a multitude of sins, but for the sake of our prayers, we should keep ourselves focused. For prayer is the greatest of investment of words you could ever make. Did you hear that? Prayer is the greatest investment of words that you could ever make. Certain times there is a chance that we can verbalize to an individual something to bring affirmation and bring encouragement. That's why the Bible talks about this word called intercession, where we would intercede on the behalf of someone else to pray for someone else. My mother-in-law posted online last week, and she said something like, if you want your prayers answered, ask a mom. Moms can move mountains. And I was like, what about dads? And I'm like, like, you know, that makes a lot of sense, actually, (laughs) you know, because moms can move mountains. I have some incredible guys in my life that have, you know, helped shape me. But I would say this, these ladies that you see on the screen right now, they have formed me. They've formed me through prayer. They've discipled me through leadership. What does it mean to love my mother-in-law, my mom, and my wife? These are my moms. These are the people that I get the privilege that God has set aside three godly women to make me who I am. There's a couple other ladies that I got a chance to pray at the state capitol last week. They lead a ministry called Moms in Prayer, and um, we're out there, and I'm like, I just want to get a picture of you. And they're praying as part of just lifting up our nation, lifting up our city, lifting up our schools, our churches, and praying for lots of things. But every Sunday at 7.15, they pray for this church. And every Sunday, they put their hands on my shoulder with a group of people, and they say, Let God's will be done in this place today. Give Keith the words. For 30 minutes, God, not 40, but for 30 minutes, God, give Keith the words that he needs. God, whatever things that are not doctrinal in his message, God, just cleanse that. Let him not say that. But they pray. I don't know who the other two kids are. We just grabbed them because that one kid looked like a flag. Um, And then the other, other girl... She's missing teeth. I'm like, hey, she's cute. Get her in the picture. Um, they actually go to the hub. I'm kidding. The, those families go to the hub. They're awesome people. But, um, but prayer is really what it's, what it's all about. John 4 says it this way. There's no fear in love. First John 4, excuse me. Um, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. You know... We live in a generation that's full of fear. 
See, the kids that are coming up now, we have millennials that they don't, they have more, they, they don't have a lot of fear and there's certain things they're like, hey, it's going to work out and I'm going to step out in this. And, and, and then all of a sudden the pendulum swung the other way for that next generation and they're feeling fearful about a lot of things. They're fearful that they may not get, there's some fear, may not get a job. They're fearful about things of the future. They're fearful of what could be because of all the information that's been in their hands for so long that fear has begun to cripple them. You know, there's some fears that come in specifically to moms. Comparison breeds fear. You know, there's a term out there called hate liking. It's when you're scrolling and you hate what you see because you're watching someone else's highlight reel, but they're your friend, so you should probably like it. Okay. It's called hate liking. It's like, oh, they're, they're having so much. Okay. Oh, they're having a blast. Oh, heart. You know, I mean, you're, it's, it's kind of seeing what everybody, but you're comparing and, and that fear is a breeding ground for that. Comparison is a breeding ground for fear to come in and feel like I'm not what everybody else is. I can't provide, oh, look at what type of a mom that they happen to be, or look at what kind of style they have, or look what kind of resources they have. And it just really, that comparison starts to get to us. Worry. Worry is rooted and fear, and it can overtake us, and we start worrying about things, and we need to focus on what we know to be true, not what we feel to be true. So we have to press into, okay, what does God say about this? Where can I get the, the truth about this rather than what I'm feeling about this? Anxiety, it's steeped in fear. It's, it's often anxiety looks at a past, but we've got to press towards a future. There was this French guy, he was a philosopher, uh, his name's Mechiel de Marantier, and um, he said, my life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which never happened. <laughs> Can I get an amen, moms? Right? It's like, my life has been horrible, most of which, it only happened up here. It didn't actually happen right here. For see, there's, there's to be no fear because perfect love will cast out fear. But there's to be faith. There's to be hope. And as good as faith is, and as good as it is to have hope, you know what the greatest thing is? It's love. The greatest, not just believing the best and, and having hope for what could God do. No, the greatest is love. And rather than me keep talking about love and me talking about moms, two moms as not being a mom, I want to invite my wife to come out and join us out here today. So uh, my wife, Chrisanna, we've been married almost uh, 21 years. And so let's give her a big hand. <laughs> yes, this is my baby right here. Um, no, it's, it's just fun because I get to be out here and, and talk a lot, but to have you out here is pretty awesome. So 21 years uh, this this summer and uh, seven kids, lots of ministry and, and crazy stuff. Uh, you know, that, that picture you see right there, that's, uh, that's out there on the property a couple of years ago. I just walked around and praying and it's pretty cool mm-hmm. to see what God has done here and uh, your partnership and he was designing Rock Harbor logos and all that stuff <laughs> from day one and putting together programs and bulletins and just children's ministry. You're awesome. So, Thank you. yeah, thanks, honey. Um, I, you know, we met quite a while ago, and my wife used to be a model. Um, <laughs> uh, she used this uh, for her profile picture on FarmersOnly.com. That's where that's where we met, and 
um, actually Buick got a hold of it and then they started using it. And so it was, uh, um, she also, uh, at times she has a little side hustle of camel training in Ethiopia, but, and then, um, uh, this picture shouldn't be in here because, you know, you wonder where seven kids come from. Well, it starts there. And, um, no, I know you were wanting to share, uh, a few things. Um, with this. But before you do, I, I was looking after that last service mm. and I'm like, okay, you're in stripes. I'm in floral. And it yeah. makes, I don't, it does any, it just, does it bother anybody else? <laughs> or does somebody want to see me strip on Mother's Day? Okay. <laughs> um, but I got this shirt specifically because this segment is called Ask Mom. <laughs> and so ask your mom. Awesome. And this is a great line for dads. Like this is the line. Yeah. Ask your mom. <laughs> it's the line. And so, but no, share a little bit with us. Um, Okay, I just want to say good morning, Rock Harbor. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of the message today. It really is an honor and privilege to be sitting here before you and just sharing a little bit of my motherhood journey with you. Today, Rock Harbor celebrates all the women in this room, young and old. It's a day to celebrate how God created us and from when we were little before we were born. He put that heart of nurture in us, of mothering, of loving. So wherever you are um, in your journey, we celebrate you and just celebrate how God has created each of us and the love that we can share. I understand. We understand that this day could be maybe difficult for some. There may be some circumstances tied to this day. There may be memories or longings in your heart. Maybe you desire to birth a child and have yet to be able to do that or adopt a child. Maybe you've lost your mother or you've lost a child. I just want you to know that God knows. He holds your heart. He loves you. He's a good God. He has a plan for your life. And you can, you can trust him with that. And we are, we're here with you today and um, surround you in love today. Um, wherever you are, you have the ability to to love others, to mother, to mentor, to be a good daughter or friend, and that's, that's what God's called you to do. I want each of you women in this room, I hope you can hear this and receive it in love, and this is what God believes about you, is that you are enough, just exactly how you are today. You're enough. You're beautiful. You're a child of God. You're created unique and you don't need to be anybody else other than you. There's only one you in this world. There's only one of you that can be the best mother to your children. And only one of you that can be the best wife and daughter, sister, friend, grandmother, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever roles you play, that's, that's you. There's nobody that could replace you. I know there's also a lot of men sitting in this room. And this stays for you as well because we wouldn't be here without you. And we... We love you and we appreciate you. You give us a lot of encouragement and love and support, and your words matter to us. And so we thank you. Um, I remember my dad telling me as a little girl, he was always so good. I grew up in a family of four girls, and he lo- we he had these quotes he always shared with us, and we call them refrigerator wisdom because he would put them up on the refrigerator so we could often see words of truth that he would want to speak into us, and he. He would tell me that he believed I could do anything I put my mind to, that I could marry whoever I wanted to marry. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah, he did. (laughs) She got everything she wanted. (laughs) And more. You're amazing. Oh, Uh, you're even better. That's great. (laughs) Uh, He would tell me that he believed believed in me and 
that he loved me no matter what. And he spoke those words over and over to me, and it really empowered me as a young girl and even into adulthood. So I want you men to know that and that you're, you're an encouragement to us. So love the ladies in your life, and um, we need you. That's good. Well, that's pretty much the message. We should have cut out that first part. <laughs> Probably going to lose my job today. Um, but I would say, I was just kind of curious. We have seven kids, two pregnancies. Can you please explain? <laughs> it was a miracle by God. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have three children through birth. And twins are included in that. So our first three were 16 months apart, super close. And then we have four children born in my heart through adoption Funny thing is, I loved being pregnant. I had two great pregnancies. I felt like I could be pregnant over and over again. But I also knew that God put the desire in my heart as a young girl to adopt. And I knew there were children that needed the love of a family. And so that's how we chose to grow our family was through adoption. And so we quickly got to seven children. Yes. So <laughs> this picture is from 16 years ago. Uh, we were headed into the hospital. And uh, what do you oh, think when goodness. you see that? <laughs> I think uh, you ladies out there should be thankful because maternity clothes have come a long ways. <laughs> I am like wearing it. All my shirts were like tents. That's, that's what I think. Wow. <laughs> and I'm wearing like Old Navy Springline 2002. Yes. And so like. We're bargain shoppers. Yes. Um, no, but what would you tell, you know, there's young moms here uh, today. What would you tell a young mom? Uh, you know, what would you tell Chrisanna 16 years ago? I would say. You're going to feel so underqualified at times. I felt like, how could God choose me? Why in the world would he choose me to be the mom to these precious humans? I don't want to mess them up. I don't want to screw them up. Like, I don't have, have it in me to be what they need. But to know that all the areas that I'm lacking, every single time I feel that way that I'm lacking, that God fills in the gaps with his love, that my mess-ups are going to happen, but his grace is bigger than all my mess-ups, that my inadequacies are filled by God's sufficiencies because I have a lot of areas that I'm inadequate. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I mess up a lot, but he is so sufficient to fill in those areas, and he, his love and his word speaks louder to my children than I could ever possibly do. And I think a good thing to remember is that nobody else could be the, the mom to Maji and Zeke and Kiki, Jake, Brady, Natty, and Yemi than I can be. And to always offer my best to them. So always offer your best to your children. It's all, all that you have to give. And if you know in your heart that you're doing your best, that's, that's what they want from you. That's all that they need from you. Um, I think learning to say sorry, that's something we tried to put into practice from when the kids were little, is them hearing a heart of repentance from their parents. And when I mess up and lose my temper or yell or freak out over something small, that I can go to them and say sorry, and they can know that I truly mean that, and we can learn from each other and show grace to each other in that way. Um, I think love, 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 without condition, without any judgments, just love them for for who they are. And I think something super important is to surround yourself with other women. Um, and also for dads, anybody in the parenting journey, surround yourself with people that you can learn from because that's how we were created. We're better together. We need to learn from each other. There's people that have gone before, people that come after, whatever that journey looks like is live in community with others. When you've been on a mothering journey, uh, mm -hmm. what would you say as far as parenting goes? Um, what would you do differently or what do you do different now? 
Um, the biggest thing I've probably learned is to choose my battles wisely. I probably have some perfectionistic tendencies. I would say definitely more so in the past because a lot of those have just like gone out the window with seven kids and parenting kids from different backgrounds in different places. And not everything has to be a big deal. Like I don't always have to share my opinion or try to be right, but just to know there's going to be mess ups. There's, there's going to be messes. There's going to be things that are going to need to be cleaned up. And it's just a little poop. It can be wiped up. It can be cleaned up and we can move on. Yes, real stinking people. That's good. Um, but I probably should explain that a little bit. We were on our sabbatical uh, two, two years ago. We went for 40 days with the family and just went and spent a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. And she had read this book, and that was a line from it. Like, it's just a little poop. And so we heard it a lot. It was like, oh, my gosh, you think I'm bad on Sundays? Get it. Yeah, I'll get her on sabbatical. She's like, just a little poop, just a little poop. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. The last week, it was awesome. A bird flew over, pooped in her hair all over her shirt, and I looked around and was like, it's just a little poop, baby. It was, I was like, God is so good. God, God is so good. God is so humorous. I did totally deserve that, but we laughed. I laughed about it. That's all I could do, and the kids laughed and reminded of us, reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, I think something else that's changed as I've grown older also is... Um, to realize that our kids can be our greatest teachers. Kids can be so pure and so innocent, and they're so resilient to what life throws at them. Sometimes we can tend to like want to be in control, and we're not. God's in control. We have zero control over the circumstances that happen in our life. So I think learning from our kids and letting them teach us has been helpful. Uh, loving all, accepting all, and embracing differences. That's been a huge part of my parenting journey as a mom who... Um, Lost a child at 18 years old and um, also parented that same child that suffered from mental illness and walking that road of depression and um, everything with him just taught me so much about motherhood and about differences and embracing that and loving him through that. I had no experience in the past of um, living with that kind of torment in his mind constantly, something that he had no control over. But what it did in me was give me such a compassion and empathy for people that do suffer with that. I loved him, I loved him through it. I would do anything to take that pain from him, but it really, through that brokenness and suffering, it taught me so much about just embracing each other and we're never promised tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but each day is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. We need to give away grace freely to others. We need to love fiercely. We need each other, and we need to show that, show people that they're valuable and important and love them for who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and parenting teenagers is challenging. Uh, how many of you, whether in this room or over at the Hub, uh, you are a parent of teenagers? <laughs> Okay, uh, lots, lots of you. Um, what advice would you give them? I don't have any advice for you. <laughs> Good luck. See I'll be. Later. I will. <laughs> I'll be at the tent after the service, so you can come and give me advice. But yeah. no, seriously, teenagers are amazing. Like we do, we have a lot of teenagers right now, and there's. It's just been so fun. They, they're amazing people. I love to be able to hear their perspective on things and the way they just kind of live a carefree life and just the friendships that we have, the conversations we're able to have with each other at the stages that they're at, the laughs that we share together, and just the privilege and honor it is to be able to raise and steward these young adults is like such a gift from God. I think one thing I've 
that's important is to learn to listen a lot. There's a lot. Teenagers have a lot of opinions. And so learn to listen to them. And when they come to you, they need to know that you're not going to jump back at them with judgment and that you're going to actually receive what they have with open ears and an open heart. And otherwise, they're not going to probably want to talk to you. So learn to listen and definitely learn to laugh at yourself because I, they're going to laugh at you. They laugh at me all the time because I'm a mom and I don't have a clue. <laughs> yes. My old dad, it's like, you better make fun of yourself because it's coming from yeah. them. But if you beat it to the punch, you feel funny, you know? And so, um, how do you, what would you suggest or what have you done to interweave faith into your parenting? Yeah, I would say I kind of have mentioned it a few times because I'm passionate about it, but it's love, love, and more love. Mm-hmm. It's the heart of our father. It's above all else. And so I think I always want our kids to know how incredibly loved they are, mm-hmm. no matter what. There's so much that the world throws at them, so much they hear through friendships, people, social media, lots of rejection. Just I want our children to know how valued and loved they are. Um, I think in our family and just the way we've grown our family through adoption and we have a biracial family is um, learning what it means to embrace diversity and race and culture and bring that into our family. I love the way God created this world and the different, the humans that we are and people from all different backgrounds were created equal. And I love what that's brought into our family. And that applies to each of us in this room and to just really accept and love each other. And that's, that's, the heart of the Father is valuing those differences. The other thing is looking for the lonely. That's something Christ did. He, he always looked for the lonely. He always wanted to love the unlovely, people that we would maybe see as unlovely. And that's something that you've been really good at is whenever you have the opportunity to drop the kids off at school from when they were really little is to say as they're getting out the car, look for the lonely. And I love that because it is looking for the people that, that need that hug or that hello or that maybe aren't being talked to, but looking for people that maybe others don't want to love and embracing them and bringing them in. And that's a good way to, to show Christ, I think, in our parenting. Mm-hmm. Well, I know there's probably some moms in here and you're going to get some pictures today. Hopefully you're honored um, today, but it's tiring. So what fatigues you mm-hmm. in being a mom? Probably the biggest thing, even from when the kids were little up till now, is just the constant battle in my mind that I'm not enough, that I'm not good enough. It's constant reminders of my failures, of my mess up. Satan, the enemy wants to steal our joy. He wants to, he's a liar. He, he wants to bring fear and anxiety into our hearts and minds constantly. So it can be so exhausting and it can fatigue us. But just to know that's not what God believes about us and to turn to God with those, um, those feelings. My, my personal greatest fear before I ever became a mom was losing a child. And then that fear came true for me and I didn't want it to define me and who I was as a mom and then impact my children and now the mom that they have to live with because of my trauma and suffering through it. And so it's just this constant battle in my mind. And I think giving that to the Lord um, has really helped me in finding my hope in him. I love the verse in Proverbs thirty-one twenty-five. It says, she is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. And knowing that Christ is my strength, that's a woman with the heart of God is having Christ be her strength and being able to laugh, not fearing the future, knowing God is in control no matter what happens. God's the one 
in control of that and that joy and sorrow can coexist together. Yeah. Well, I know you're an adoptive mom four times over. And so how has adoption impacted your personal journey? I once heard it said that adoption is beautiful brokenness, and it has been so true in our life. There's so much beauty in adoption, but it's all stemmed and birthed from brokenness in a broken place in a fallen world. And so we've, we have seen that, and we've lived that, and it's been such a beautiful reminder to me of my adoption in Christ and the way he accepts me and loves me. Um, I just There's a picture of our daughter from the orphanage the day that we met her. We went, and we met her, and we took her that day, the very first time we had seen pictures. She was born in our hearts long before that, but that was our first physical meeting of her. And I just remember us waiting and her running out and just my arms being open, like ready to be like, you're my daughter. I love you. I don't know you, but you're mine. And that's how the father's love is for us. It's just open arms. It's this welcoming of come to me, come as you are. I will love you unconditionally. And that's what adoption has meant to us. It doesn't matter the past. It doesn't matter the race. It doesn't matter the culture. It doesn't matter where you're born. It doesn't matter any of that. It's just only love. Man, uh, if I was preaching, I'd be bawling. But since I'm not, I'm just sobbing. Um, but uh, just, we've been through a lot. And um, our little girl jumped out of her Crocs in oh, your yes. arms. And I'm like, what about dad? Um, <laughs> it's fine. We're used to it. Um, but it's also been a crazy journey, just what you shared. And we have been through a ton. Um, adoption, grief, um, planting a church, um, even the journey now where we have more questions about parenting than answers. Uh, but you spoke to our hearts and I am a lucky guy because I am married to an incredible mom. Yeah, not my mom. Um, (laughs) I am from Kansas, but this is legal and we are not related. Um, but I'm, I'm married to a wonderful lady. Would you pray for the moms? Yes, I would love to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day and this day that we get to celebrate being a woman and just for all the women and girls in this room and how you created us and you gave us that heart of nurture and love and mothering and compassion, Lord. Um, I pray that we would use those gifts and what you put in us to make an impact on the lives around us, to just love people for who they are. And I just pray that you would be with each lady here in this room and wherever she is in her journey. And if she's having a hard time today, and I know that feeling, I know that first Mother's Day after losing a child and how painful it can be, God, but I do know that you are our hope. And you are what gets us through those hard times and that there is a new day coming and your mercies are new each day. And we thank you so much for your grace in our life and all the mess ups and times that we just feel insufficient, that you're there to fill in all those gaps. We love you, God, and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the men and the boys in this room and just how you've made us all family and friends and we need each other. I thank you for the impact that the the men have in our lives and how you just you created us different, but we're all we're all equal and we all need each other. We love you, God, and we just I just pray that today could be a beautiful day of celebration of who you are. I thank you for your church and for Rock Harbor and this community of people that we could come together. I pray that each person coming in and going out feels loved and knows that they are known, they are valuable, 
And we just give this day to you, God. We love you. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. That was awesome. (laughs)